We are continuing in our Peace and Purpose series um, to do a quick recap. We have been talking about the fact that we are all in search for peace and purpose in this world. And for a lot of us, we are, for, for all of us, I keep saying a lot of us, and I said I'm going to take that out of voca my vocabulary. All of us are in search of something that will give us peace and will give us purpose. We're all in search of a false, of, of, we're all in search of Christ. We're all in search of the chosen one. We're all looking for something that we feel is going to give us the thing that we need in order to be the people that we want to be. And what um, God shows us is that the only thing that can fill an eternal hole that he placed in our souls is eternity. Um, and no matter what we look at, no matter what we choose, no matter what we search for, if it's anything other than God and anything other than Christ, it is not going to fulfill the longings of our soul. It is not going to give us the eternal peace that we're looking for. And it's not going to give us the eternal purpose that we're looking for. And so when we when we look at God and, and see that he is the master and the commander of the universe, we then begin to understand and unpack that his glory is what he seeks after. And we as um, as fallible man have messed that up where we are looking to make our own name known, to give to give ourselves glory, to be the masters and commanders of our own universe. And because of our active rebellion against God, despite knowing for some of us that Adam and Eve messed up and that's how the entire universe was broken, despite that. Um, in our active rebellion against God, we deserve the death penalty for that because the wages of sin is death. Uh, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who acted as a bridge between death and life by descending into hell and becoming death for us, becoming sin for us. So that if we repent and believe in him, we will be ushered into life, exchanging his righteousness for our unrighteousness, that we may be called the sons and daughters of God without um, without any works, without any merit, without any um, strength on our own, because we cannot earn our way into the kingdom, but we can be given it freely if we repent and believe. So we said last week that in order to get in, repentance and belief are the key. Repentance being turning away from our sins, turning away from the things that we love, turning our turning our turning ourselves away from the things that are contrary to God and putting our face in his face. Our love, our affection, our attention, our time, everything that we are, we're putting it in the face of Jesus and putting it and, and turning our faces toward him. And then when we say that we believe in him, we are pushing all of our chips in, saying that if I'm wrong. If I am wrong about about Christ, then my soul is lost. If I'm wrong about him at the end of it all, then I'm done. That belief says that I'm staking my entire claim and staking my entire existence on him. And so um, and so we are pledging allegiance to God. You know, we're casting all other allegiances to the side. Um, and it doesn't mean that we, you know, just kind of sit and wait for God to come back. Um, for us. But we are again saying that we're putting all of our chips in and saying, I am following this man. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to die for him. I'm, and, and, and if again, if I'm wrong, then so be it. But I stake all of my claim on him by virtue of the fact that he died and rose again for me. So what we want to do today before we kind of get into the the latter part of this series 
um, which is really kind of where rubber meets road, is we want to talk about sanctification. And so today for a subject, we're talking about love and war. Um, um, the, there is a distinctive difference between salvation and sanctification. You have some people who believe that in order to get into the kingdom of heaven, you have to clean yourself up in order to get in. There are people who believe that you have to become a righteous person in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. I was just watching a TikTok video the other day um, or live rather. And, you know, they have these people called Hebrew Israelites. And what they claim is that they are the true sons and daughters of God, that they are the ones that are going to go into the kingdom of heaven. And one of the tenets behind Hebrew Israel Israelitism is that we have to be we have to make ourselves worthy to get into the kingdom that by the power of the word, we have to clean our acts up. We can't sin anymore. We cannot do what we used to do in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. And so their claim is that they have to have to work to get in. You have to work to get in. Um, scripture, um, well, not scripture, but there are some pe some scholars who call this legalism. Legalism means that in order to get into the kingdom and in order to keep your standing in the kingdom, you have to work at it. So you got to go to church. You got to read your Bible. You got to pray. You got to not sin. You know, whatever sins you have, you got to take them all away. Those are all they're all good works to do. But those are all works that they say you have to do in order to get into the kingdom of heaven. And what scripture tells us today is that what scripture tells us all the time, rather, is that that is not so for to do any work in order to get into the kingdom is to nullify the finished work of Jesus Christ. Anything that you do to get into the kingdom nullifies anything that Christ did to get us into the kingdom. What we're essentially saying is, God, thank you for saving me. But I got it from here. God, thank you for doing your work. But there's some other work I got to add to it in order to get into the kingdom. You would think that the free gift of salvation would be good news because it means it's literally free to get into the kingdom. But a lot of people, there's still this inherent fear within them that they that the free gift of salvation is not enough to get into the kingdom. Part of the reason is because of the nature and character of relationship that we have with with God in the first place. Growing up, I used to um, fear God and fear what his, you know, his um, wrath against my life. And part of that stemmed from the relationship that I had with my parents and the relationship that I had with any grown up, because I was always afraid that if I did something wrong in their eyes, I was going to be punished. And so my relationship with God got warped into that. Where I felt like if God, if I don't do what God wants me to do, if I don't do what he tells me to do, he's going to punish me. He's going to beat me down. He's going to do something that's going to make going to make it seem like I'm, um, you know, I'm not, you know, part of the kingdom. So I got to make sure that I'm always doing right. I was so afraid of God because I was afraid of my parents. Now, mind you, my parents were great parents. My elders were great elders. But the fear that I had of them 
in terms of wanting to do right in their eyes all the time, rolled up into my relationship with God where I had a warped vision of who he was for my life. And so for a long time, I felt like I had to do more. I had to do something. I had to, in order to keep my standing with God, I had to do something in order to be good with him and not, and I wasn't resting on the finished work of Christ. And so for then so for some of us, we can feel like because God is going to strike just strike us down with lightning bolts and thunder rays, like all of a sudden we're not we're not going to be good enough to get into the kingdom. And so we got to do something in order to be good, to be in his good graces. But thanks be to God that God is not a God who is looking to us to earn our way in. Rather, he says, look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher, author and completer of our faith. And if we accept the free gift of salvation that he's given us, we are in the kingdom. So the difference between salvation and sanctification is this statement here. And I'm ripping this from Vody Bachman, who uh, a video of him saying this um, has been circulating through on the airways as of late. The gospel produces salvation. I mean, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I said it wrong. Salvation produces obedience. Salvation does not require obedience. Make sure I say that again because I messed it up. Salvation produces obedience. Salvation does not require obedience. The difference between salvation and sanctification is that while salvation is God ransoming us, saving us, delivering us from the penalty of sin, sanctification is the ongoing process of becoming more like Jesus until we get to the end of our two, till we get to the end of our journey. What sanctification does is it takes the fullness of God that we're in and aligns us every day from one degree of glory to the next to becoming what we already are. We are already saved, but we are still being saved day by day as we're being molded and shaped into the image of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we find these words. Starting at verse 17. The Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Some songs, some uh, some people say, there is liberty. Yeah. <laughs> and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is spirit. So as we are beholding Christ and we got our face in, in, in his face, we are turned toward him. We're seeking the kingdom. We are pressing toward the mark. We're, we're, we're abiding in him. We are beholding him and we're saying, make me more like you. And God is transforming us, molding us, shaping us, forging us to look more and more like Christ every single day. We are being put in the refiner's fire 
and the impurities that are within us are being burned off of us day by day by day. And as we grow into the knowledge and grow into the wisdom and grow into the understanding and grow into the love of God, we are slowly but surely becoming more and more like him every single day. We are already like him because we are saved by him, but we are becoming more like him day by day by day. So we're already in the kingdom, but he's making us more like him every single day. It's the already, but the not yet. Colossians chapter three says it like this. And this is one of my favorite passages of scripture um, in, in, in the Bible. It says, starting with verse one in Colossians chapter three, if then you have been raised with Christ, that's the already, if you have been raised with him, means he took your, he took your unrighteousness and replaced it with his righteousness. You are in the kingdom. This ain't if you're working toward getting in the kingdom. No, it's if you're in the kingdom, if you are his, if you have repented and believe in him, if you are his. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of of its creator. So what is it saying to us there? That if we are in Christ, again, we're already like, we're already like him because he saved us. He's purchased us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. There is no got to speak in tongues in order to get the Holy Spirit. Again, that's works. That's works righteousness all over again. You are Christ. You are God's. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek those things that are above. Put things to death. All of that is, put, is making us more and more like Christ every single day. Um, scholars say that the, the process of seeking God and putting things to death is vivification and mortification. Vivification is seeking Christ, seeking life, seeking the things that are above, the things that will enliven our spirits. Things, seeking things that are above. What is the things that God wants? What are the things that God loves? What are the things that God likes? We're seeking after those things every single day. We're putting our face in the face of God and saying, God, I'm pursuing you. I'm chasing after you. Like that's what we're doing. We are looking to God. We're looking to Christ and saying, I'm, I'm pursuing, I'm pursuing you. And Paul says in the Philippians chapter three, I'm pressing toward the mark. That means I'm looking to God. I'm looking to Christ every day. Um, Bob Brown said it like this, every little step I take, that's what we're trying to do. Every single day, we're moving closer and closer to God, closer and closer to Christ. And we're pursuing those things, holding on to him as hard as we can to be more like him. 
But at the same time, we're looking at our sins. We're looking at our faults. We're looking at our flaws. We're looking at the things that we love, looking at the things that are not of God. And we're putting those things to death. We are saying, I don't, I renounce those things. I denounce those things. I'm turning away from them. This is why repentance is both and both Christ having saved us. We repent to him. We turn to him and it is a constant turning. It is a constant turning. My wife and I got into a debate about this. Um, well, not, well, we didn't get into a, a debate. We got into kind of a, a, a match with God about what repentance was after we had listened to a plausible argument that was saying that we constantly have to repent. But that constant repentance in the, in the person that was talking to us about it was about he was saying that you got to continuously repent and hope that you get into the kingdom. But repentance doesn't work that way. Not the initial repentance. Initial repentance is us declaring I am God's. And I'm turning away, I'm denouncing, I'm pledging allegiance to God. But daily, they're the, the passions and the lust and th those things, they're not going anywhere. They are still there. And so much like a drug addict who still fiends for drugs from one day to the next, we are actively putting this thing to death by turning toward Christ every single day. Some days we're going to be strong. Some days we're going to be weak. But we are constantly putting, trying to, we're constantly telling God, help me to put my face in your face. It's a, it is a constant turning. So repentance, again, is a constant turning toward Christ every single day. And so, again, it's not to say that once you've repented that one time, oh, now my sins are gone because the, the, the going back to the Hebrew Israelites, they were saying they got dunked in the water and they were like, well, shoot, but I'm still sinning. I'm still doing what I want to do. That's because the work of the spirit ain't complete just because you got dunked in some water like you all of a sudden you're not going to want to stop sinning. like sinning is a part of the nature of man. Now, our desire to live for God should supersede our desire to sin. As Paul said in Romans 7, you know, I, I, when I want to do good, evil is always present. Like, I want to do the right thing. I want to be, I want to, I find myself doing the things that I don't want to do. And I'm trying to figure out what that's all about. And what he's saying is that, that internal desire to want to do things contrary to God. Because again, sin ain't just about the, 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 the regular stuff that we call sin. It's anything that turn that is contrary to what God wants. Contrary to how God operates, contrary to how God thinks, contrary to how God feels. And so our desire to do what we shouldn't do is always going to be present. But the love that we have for God to supersede what we would want otherwise want to do as God is shaping and molding mm -hmm. our hearts to where when it says, if you um, 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 seek, seek God and he will give you the desires of your heart. The desires of our heart should be what God wants, what God loves, what God believes, what God feels that. Yeah, there's all these things, you know, will be added. That's what we're hoping for. But our desire should be God. Our desire should be godliness. Our desire should be what God loves, what God desires. And so sanctification then again is the ongoing work of God molding us and shaping us into the image of his son, which means we cannot do this on our own. 
We cannot do this on our own. And thanks be to God that by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, we are not alone. The difference between a good person and a righteous person, someone who's in Christ, is that for a good person, that work is all theirs. They give themselves all the credit for the work that they do. They are a good person. They do good things. They have a good heart. But for the righteous one, that good work that they do rolls up into worship to God because they realize I can't do this on my own. I can't love God the way I'm supposed to love him. I can't care about him the way that I, I should care about him. But thanks be to God, I got a Holy Spirit that allows me to love God the way that he should be loved. And that even on my worst day, he still counts me in the kingdom because he's not counting my mistakes as, a, as an absolute fault against me to where I'm now out of the kingdom. God, Christ said, those who are in my hands, no one can pluck them out. Not even us. Some part, somebody asked me the other day, why is it that I believe in Jesus? And my answer to them was because I tried everything else. I, I literally tried everything else. And even in the trying of everything else, God was like, no, come here, come back. Where you going? What you thought was happening? Get back over here. Constantly, every time I tried, even when I actively was like, I don't want anything to do with God. God was like, yeah, but I want something to do with you. Like, where you going? Get back over here. Like, God, when, when, they, when they say once saved, always saved, though I understand why some people would think that that's a blanket cause for us to just do whatever we want to do. I firmly believe once saved, always saved in that when you believe in God, when God, when God grabs you by the throat and is like, I got you, grabs you by the back of your neck. It makes you listen to him like you can't escape him. Even when you want to escape him, you can't escape him like he is constantly going to be tugging at your heart. Now, the depth of which your relationship with God can go is on you. How far and how deep and how wide you want your relationship to be with God. That's on you. But a relationship with God is not contingent upon man. It's not contingent upon works. If God saves you, he saves you. And no one can take him from you because uh, no one can take you from him, rather, because once you're in the kingdom, he counts you in the kingdom and he is lovingly chasing after you as much as you're chasing after him to make to make you to make you know that you are his. And so, again, it's not to say that, you know, that we won't sometimes fall short, but he doesn't count our shortcomings against us. And that is the ongoing work of being more and more like Christ from one degree of glory to the next. We are being molded and shaped into the image of our creator, the shape that we're already that we already possess. But we are aligning our thoughts, our, our actions, our feelings, our emotions. They're all aligning to God, our agenda our intentions, our purpose, the, everything is aligning to God, aligning to what he wants us to be. And the deeper that we go in God, the more he aligns us to make us more like him. Again, we're never going to reach a hundred here, 
but we already have the 100 because he made us his so that we can so that we're in the kingdom with the 100 while we're still walking this thing out day by day which is why Romans chapter 12 verse 2 tells us um tells us that as we're walking around in this world as we're walking about and living the life that God would have us to live he is telling us do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect so every day that we're walking this earth we are if, if for the believer for the believer like again I'm gonna say it till I'm blue in the face you must be born again <laughs> You cannot do this without the Lord. No matter how good you think you are, you cannot do this without the Lord. So you got some people out there that think they can do it on their own. Again, the difference between a good person and a righteous person is that a good person, I did this. A righteous person, God did this. And so, again, you cannot do this on your own. For the believer, we're being sanctified daily which means we have to renew our minds every single day. This is an ongoing ethic, an ongoing work that we cannot escape. But the joy that comes from walking with God, the peace that comes from walking with God, the purpose that comes from walking with God supersedes any other passion or pursuit that we could ever, that we could ever um, go on. And so it's not to say that we should forsake our jobs or forsake our lives or whatever. But what it is saying is that that we should have God at the uppermost of our affections and be asking ourselves the question, God, how can I give you glory today? Because that is the purpose of man to glorify God. So how can I glorify God today? What can I do to make God known today? What can I do to be more like Christ today? What can I do to show someone else or to even show myself for crying out loud that God is real? And we go through the ongoing work of sanctification, being molded and shaped into the image of his son from one degree of glory to the next. And we and in doing so, we renew our minds daily. We remind ourselves of the goodness of God. We remind ourselves of what Christ has accomplished for us. We remind ourselves of the love that Christ had in so much that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. People often wonder, why do we worship God as hard as we do? Why do we give so much of ourselves to God as we do? And the answer is it's, it's so simple because he did it for me. He did it for me like he died for me. I was talking to somebody on TikTok the other day and he was talking about how 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 messed up um, his, his life was. He had lost his sobriety just the night prior. And he was so upset with himself because of it. And I told him, guess what? Christ died for that. Christ knew what you were going to do before you even did it. And he died for that. He died knowing what you were going to do, knowing you were going to rebel. That love that God has for us is the reason why John says we love because God first loved us, not the other way around. God loved us before we even existed. 
And as a result, that love now becomes the fuel, the fuel that propels us to be sanctified. The love that God has for us is the motivation by which we are being sanctified. I go through the process of being molded and shaped into the image of Christ because Christ loved me enough to descend into hell and die the death that I deserve so that I can be called called righteous. Not, not just, you know, being made righteous, but called righteous. I am righteous because Christ is righteous. My righteousness is not of my own, but it is God's. And he gave that to me. He credited it to me. He got me out of jail. He got me out of prison. He got me out of the death sentence. And that what he did for me propels, fuels, ignites my passion toward being molded and shaped to look more like him. And so, again, that is what is what pushes us. That is what uh, gives us the ability to be able to be sanctified. Not because I want to make God happy, not because I want to make God feel good, not because I want God to keep me out of hell. I'm not doing these things to get God's approval. I already have it because of what Christ did. I'm not trying to win his approval. If I was trying to win his approval, it nullifies what Christ did. And I can I, I I can't measure up to that man. That man descended to the place of no return and came back. I can't beat that. And not on my not even on my best day can I beat that. And so I'm grateful that Christ said, I got the A, here you go. And that is what fuels us to be molded and shaped into the image of Christ from one degree of glory to the next. That again is why we say. When we say once saved, always saved, we're not saying you can just go go out and sin all willy nilly. No, we're saying I love Christ so much. He captured my heart. I love him so much that I'm pledging allegiance to him, pushing all my chips in, turning toward him and allowing him to take me through the process of sanctification. And I'm doing that because he died for me. He loves me. For his glory and his namesake, he ain't just loving me just because I'm lonely. He's God. He ain't, he ain't, he ain't lonely. <laughs> he is God. He, he don't need nobody. Okay, So he ain't loving me because he just loves me so much. No, he loves me because his glory and his name, his, that he loves that so much that he's willing to die for us, to redeem us. And because of that, because he wants me to be a part of his narrative, I, lo- I lovingly am led through the process of sanctification, the process of burning all of my sins off of me and living for God in such a way to where he can be glorified. And so that is the process that we are going through as salvation produces obedience. Salvation is, I mean, um, 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 obedience um, is not a requirement of salvation. Salvation rather produces obedience. And so again, what, we, what we're saying is that as you're either thinking about becoming a part of the kingdom, if God is you know, ministering to your heart, or if you've been in the kingdom and you're trying to figure out, you know, you know why is it that I'm you know, still sinning or still going through the things that I'm going through? Or if you're just so deathly afraid of God that you fear that, oh, God, I'm not, I got to figure out what to do next in order to make God like me. I'm here today to tell you 
Salvation covered every bit of that. Your salvation covered every bit of that. Your obedience is not a requirement of salvation. Obedience is produced by salvation. In that, the Holy Spirit living in you is going to lead you and guide you into all truth and and help to mold and shape you into the image of God, an image that you already possess because of Christ. And so my prayer for us today as we're wrapping is that if, if you don't have a relationship with God and God is knocking on the heart of your, the heart of your soul, ask yourself the question, is there anything in my life, any question that I could ask myself that would nullify the need I have for God to fill my soul? Is there, is there any reason, any reason why you shouldn't have a relationship with God, shouldn't have a relationship with him, knowing that he is the cure all for, for your soul. For the one who does believe, but you're struggling in your faith, you're struggling to do right. You're struggling to, you know, do the things that God is calling you to do. You're struggling to be more like him. Ask yourself, what is my motivation? Is my motivation because I love God or is my motivation because I want him to give me something or I want him to save me or I want to be in the kingdom? Ask yourself those questions, because, again, the process of sanctification is not to get you in the kingdom. The process of sanctification is the process that kingdom dwellers go through. If you're in the kingdom, you will be sanctified. Sanctification is reserved for the believers. So if you're being sanctified, that means you're in the kingdom. So rest, take comfort in the fact that if you're being sanctified, that means you are loved and you are secure in your salvation. And my hope and prayer is that you're able to walk in the freedom and liberty that is yours by the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you once again for just giving us this opportunity to worship you in spirit and truth. We're asking, Lord God, that you um, just remind us, Lord, for the ones who believe that we are yours and there's nothing that we can do to make us more yours. We are all yours. When you died on the cross and rose again, that was it. That, that's it. The work is done. The work is finished. And as a result, if we repent and believe, that's it. We are in. Remind us, Lord God, of that sacred truth and, remind, and, and, and ignite our hearts from that truth to go through the process of sanctification, to be sanctified from one degree of glory to the next with joy. Even when it hurts, even when it's painful, even when we're being stripped of things that we want and need or or what we feel like we need. um, When it doesn't feel like it's going the way that we want it to go. Lord God, allow us to go through the process with joy 
knowing that even if we don't get another thing in this world, um, that we have the greatest thing that we could ever possess, which is you. We love you, God. And we give your name all praise, glory and honor and ask that for the one who may not be saved on today, Lord God, that you knock on the door of their heart and let them know that there is rest for their souls, that there's nothing that they need to do to earn your love to earn your joy, to earn your peace, that all they have to do is denounce the things that they love that are contrary to you and to pledge allegiance to you, to repent and believe in the gospel. And Lord God, we'll be so careful to give your name our praise, glory, and honor. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.